Today is exciting because we're starting a series in probably the most loved yet least understood portions of the scripture. We're going to look at the Psalms. The Psalms have for many of us, if you've been following Jesus for a while, a, a connection that is emotional. Um, you read it. It's like listening to, to songs on the radio. Some of you, your dating relationship is tied to a song, like, you know, or that wedding song. Or, or there is something about poetry and music that speaks to us in deep ways. But yet you got to admit, when you read the Psalms, some of them just don't make sense at all. So we want to take a look at it. Uh, we read from Psalm 27 before, and I just want to give you an illustration of that. So if you have a Bible, just go to Psalm 27. We read it during our worship, and I want to tell you my connection to one of them. Psalm 27, verse 14. It says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. God communicates his message to us in many ways. And this is like poetic. Wait for the Lord. What does that look like? Be strong, take heart. And then the reminder, while being strong and taking heart, wait for the Lord. The implication is that God is going to do something. Well, I'll give you my connection to that verse. Carmen was pregnant with our second child, Alina. We were living in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and she was getting close to the end, had difficulty with delivery of Jonah, so I was hyper nervous. And so a month or two before delivering Alina, she was walking down the staircase fully pregnant. And when I say fully, I don't, I don't mean a little, little baby bump. I mean full. She was full of child. And so she's walking down the stairs and gets a little lightheaded. And by the grace of God, I was at the bottom of the stairs and was able to, like, whoa, got in the car, zipped over the emergency room. She goes into the emergency room. You're not supposed to use your cell phone in there because I guess... Things could happen. People can get heart attacks or whatever. So, so I rush out the door to, to get on the phone and text my friends, pray for my wife, and there is a light pole right outside the, the, um, the hospital, a light pole with one sticker on it. Someone put a sticker that said, Psalm 27, 14, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart and wait for the Lord. Now, you may call that goofiness, but I'm telling you, that word on a sticker, you shouldn't put stickers on light poles, okay, people? You shouldn't, you shouldn't go to the hospital and start putting Bible verses. But it rung not like an ancient Hebrew poem. It was the word of God for me. And now, that's just my little story. Many of you, if you've read the Psalms, you may have something that like, resonates to that. There was a moment and you were crying out. You didn't know what to do. And you read a psalm. It's like, oh, it's going to be okay. Uh, now, last week, we want to begin with where Miguel ended last week. Why study the psalms? Luke 24, verse 44 through 45. I'm just going to put it on the screen. It's what we started with last week. Jesus said to his disciples after his resurrection, this is what I told you while I was still with you. And this is what Jesus says. Everything must be fulfilled that's written down about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. What we're going to do in the next few months is to get in line with Jesus. In his resurrection, he shows himself because Jesus 
is the center of the story of Scripture from, from beginning to end, but he has to show his disciples. They don't see the obvious that in the law of Moses, the beginning of the Bible, in the prophets, the middle of the Bible, and then in the Psalms, which lead to the end of the Bible, that Jesus is there. Now, if you've ever read the Bible and said, I, I read it, and I walked away and I thought, what was that? Has that ever happened to you? You're reading the Bible, especially in some of the historical books, and you read about this king went to war and beat up that king, and they were slayed, and they were slain. You're like, God, I just want to have Cheerios and go to work. Like, you know, like, I, I just don't, I don't get this. Um, then this is going to be an exciting series for you because I'm not going to give you my take on the Psalms every week and say, oh, this isn't this wonderful, but rather together as a community, we're going to learn how to read them and study them and understand them because Jesus enlightened the minds of his disciples on what the Psalms mean. We want to do the same thing. So how do we read and understand them? We remember that even though we're going to read in the Psalms, Jesus said to his disciples, I need to show you about me in the beginning, in the middle, and the end. So ultimately, as we lead towards Christmas, and a little hint, our Christmas series, uh, by the time you get to learn how to do the Psalms, will look right leading up to Christmas at Jesus all throughout the beginning of the story. Because sometimes we read it and say, I want to get to the Gospels where Jesus is, and we forget Jesus is on every page. So we're going to lean, do Psalms, and then we're going to look at the larger, broader, what we call the Old Testament, what's also known as the Hebrew Scriptures. So in order to do this, today will be thrillingly scholastic. Okay, you ready? What we need to do is, um, I'm going to assume that you've never read the Bible before. So if I go slow, I, I don't apologize, because some of our friends here are new to the Scriptures, and I want to set you up for success. Now, I will hint. Take notes, but on top of that, we have a glorious gift for you. We believe in this so much. This is um, an $18 book that we have purchased for you to take for nothing because we want to invest in you. We want you to get everything out of the Psalms. So this is the essential Bible companion to the Psalms, and we bought it, and at the end of the gathering, we're going to invite you to go and take it at one per family and read it and enjoy it and grow as a follower of Jesus and resist the temptation to say, because I don't understand it, I'll never understand it. We want to resist that temptation. We want to actually learn how to learn. And so today will be slow, but it's going to set the groundwork. And then next week, we'll, based on what we learned and the homework you do this week, homework, the homework that you do this week, this joyous activity of, here's the homework, read the Bible. So, with the book, you are going to get Psalms in 50 days. Together as a community, we want to read all 150 Psalms in 50 days. And we have a guide because some people need a box. Some people just need a box. And we've got it. And it's, it just, it doesn't say what day, like tomorrow's Monday, but at some point, Psalms 1 through 3, and then you can go, oh, you know. Okay, so, so we want to, understand it, and we want to read it. That is the homework, is to read the Bible. And when we do that, we need to understand that when we step into the Psalms, we're stepping into something that's bigger than we understand. So here we go. The rest of the time will be about background, and then I'm going to have an emotional point at the end. So if you're like, where's he going? Where's he going? 
there will be a point where we connect our feeling, but that's not to the end. First, we need to talk about the Tanakh. I know when you woke up this morning, you thought, I'm going to come, and I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to drink free coffee, and I'm going to have a muffin, and we're going to discuss the Hebrew Tanakh. I knew it. I knew it. You were waiting. <laughs> like, I'm already lost. Okay. You get a free book. Who cares? Just smile. Tanakh. What is the Tanakh? So the, Jesus said he had to reveal where he was in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. We have a Bible that's with two parts. The Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament, and those are a bit of a mis misnomer. Um, they're all God's word. It's all one story in two parts. The first part is the Hebrew Scriptures. The Hebrew Scriptures were called to the Hebrews or the Jews, the Tanakh. They did not call their Bible old, okay? They don't read the Old Testament, and we're like, because we got like drums, we read the New Testament. No, that's not how this works. So it's in two parts. Now, their scriptures is the first half. They ordered their scriptures differently than we do for a reason. I'm not going to get into all that today, but we go Genesis and we end in Malachi because the way we read the Bible and the way our Bible is set up is more chronological. The beginning, Genesis, God creates. And then the final Hebrew prophet is Malachi. So Malachi is at the end, and then we end up with Matthew. And Mark and Luke and John in the New Testament. That's not how the Hebrew Bible is set up. There are three sections called the Tanakh. And I think we've got uh, it's Torah or law. Now, when I say law, do not think if you speed, you'll get a ticket. That is not what the law is. If you talk on your cell phone, you'll get a bigger ticket. If you speed in a construction zone, you'll spend 85 times the amount. Do not speed in a construction zone. The, the, the ticket's too high. I, I have no personal experience with that. Torah is instruction. It is God's way of life. Every time that you read in the Psalms law, I want you to mentally do this. Change the word for instruction. Not that law is wrong. It's our perception of law is statute, crime, penalty. And that is not what the law is. It is teaching, instruction, way of life, heart of God. So God begins by giving us Torah. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In the beginning, he gives. In the beginning, God speaks. And then it's the Nevi'im, which is the prophets. Men of God spoke about God's instruction. Because just like you read your Bible, but you also come and you get instruction about God's instruction, that's what the people did. So God spoke through people to highlight how they can apply Torah. The instruction. How could you live it out? And as the centuries went on, it needed more prophets because the context changed, the situation changed. And so God is loving. He sends people to help us understand what he is saying. Isn't that good? Then the final section is a collection of wisdom. That's the ketuvim, and that's the writings. So if we go to the next slide, how does it work out? Torah starts with Genesis. The Nevi'im starts with Joshua. So, so far, our Bibles are the same. Torah, first five books. Then the second section is the prophets, the Nevi'im, and that starts with Joshua. Then, here's where it's different than our Bibles. In the Psalms is the third section, the Ketuvim, the writings or the wisdom. So you have God's instruction. You have prophetic voices, God speaking to people about his instruction. And then you have this collection of Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and all this general wisdom, skill for life. 
and then it ends with Chronicles, which doesn't make sense. But it will before Christmas, but you'll have to wait. Okay, enough about that. So that is the order of the Hebrew Bible. So it's put together more by themes, instruction, a teaching about the instruction, and then wisdom based on the teaching about the instruction. We're going to eventually get to the Psalms. I told you this background will be juicy and thick. Now, first let's look. First section we know. In the beginning, God what? Created. And then God speaks to a man and a woman and he gives them a garden and he, he's with them in the cool of the day and all is good. Avoid one thing, enjoy all things. God speaks instruction. We know that Adam and Eve by Genesis 3 do not listen to God's instruction. Genesis 4, son kills son. Wow, brothers killing each other. This is crazy. Because they did not listen to Genesis 1 to God and his instruction. So that's the beginning. Now, I want us to see something before we get into the Psalms, because Psalms do more than make us feel good. They're meant to teach us. The Psalms are a teaching tool, just like songs tell an artist's story. If you know a band, you know that a song isn't a random collection of words. It's telling what the band or the writer is going through. So Psalms are useful for teaching. So, uh, how, beginning of the first section, Torah, Genesis, God speaks. The beginning of the second section, the prophets, God speaks. Uh, uh, Joshua 1. I think we got it on the screen. Joshua 1. So beginning, God said, Joshua 1, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn to the right, to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And this is what he says. Keep the book of rules and regulations. Right or wrong? Wrong. Keep the book of instruction always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do everything in it. Then you'll be prosperous and you'll be successful. So God wants his people to thrive. He wants you to experience life in Jesus. God's goal for you is that you would experience life in Jesus. In order to do that, you need God's instruction and when you know God's instruction, you get a chance to live out in God's ways. And when you live out God's ways, your way will be prosperous. So the, so the setup for the prophets is not a new word. And again, I'm going somewhere. It's not a new word. God spoke, and then God has to remind his forgetful people. He's already spoken. Listen to his words and live. Now, you read the prophetic writings, and you realize do God's people listen to God's instruction? Absolutely not. It's just like America. It's just like us. That was a George W. Bush reference. For some, it's time you missed it. Anyway, you're too young. You don't know. It's America. Anyway, um, I'm lost. Okay, so God's people forget God's ways. What does God do? Aha, God speaks again. Now go to, go to Psalm 1. All right? I want you to see someone in where it fits. Someone is not random. And the Psalms are not random. Someone is a reminder of Genesis 1 and of Joshua 1. It's a reminder of Torah and of the Nevi'im. What God is saying, he is saying again. So let's read someone. And here's the trick. T today we're not going to teach someone. I'm just going to tell you where it sets. Next week... We're going to do Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, which are actually the introduction to all 150. 
Now, don't get nervous. We're not going to do 150 line by line here. Come on. That'd be crazy. And we're not going to do it. But we're going to get the themes. So Psalm 1 and 2 are the beginning and set the tone for all of it. But Psalm 1 sounds familiar. Let's read it. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly Joshua 1. And who meditates on the law day and night. That is Joshua 1. And then we get a little more color, a little poetic reasoning. If you, if you meditate on the law day and night, what, what do you like? That person is like a tree planted on streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. So now we get a contrast. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Genesis 1 and 2. God makes man, God makes woman, and says you have everything. It's all yours. Enjoy. And God watches over the righteous. We're getting a repeat. God spoke in the Torah. God speaks in the prophets. God is now going to speak wisdom. You want to know how to be wise? Go back to the beginning and go back to God and his instruction. But, contrast, the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Genesis 3, Genesis 4, people sin, and sin multiplies into more sin and destruction. So I want us to see that Psalm and the Psalms are not random at all. And it reminds us that the Scriptures are one long, continuous story of God at work. And if that's the one thing that you get today, it was worth coming to the gathering. The scriptures are all profitable from beginning to end because we read, if you look at the table of contents in our Bible, there are 66 books. And we sometimes read them as independent little pieces in this collection. And it's more than that. It's one story with many parts. So if you're choosing to follow Jesus, there is no possible way you can follow Jesus and ignore Genesis. There's no possible way you can follow Jesus and ignore Exodus. There's no possible way you can uh, follow Jesus and ignore the Kings or Chronicles or Esther or Ruth or Job. We need all of the story because if you take a piece out, you may miss wisdom and skill for life. So nothing's wasted. And the Psalms are this beautiful section that set it up for us to be wise. And God knows that some of us are hardwired towards logic. When you see this beautiful document, some people go, I love you, Jose. I love you. I'm joining this church. I'm going to basics. I'm going to eat your free lunch. I'm in. I'm logic in 50 days. And there's even in there, there's a day to take off right in the middle. You make it like all these psalms. I don't know what to do. But some of you are like, Jose, I don't have time for a sheet because I don't know what the day is going to bring. <laughs> what time are you getting up? When I feel like it. What's your plan for the day? I'm going to see what happens. You're going to love the psalms. <laughs> because it's this collection of 
pieces that, yeah, have logic to them, but they're put in a voice, they're put in a language that's just ripe with emotion. So here's what we want to do. Uh, we're going to start reading the Psalms in a different way. We're not going to read them anymore as a random collection of love songs put in the Bible and set them to music. We read them as 150, so a psalm a day will keep the devil away or whatever, you know, like reading plan you've got. And that's okay. It's okay just to start with Psalm 39. It's okay to end the day with Psalm 150. That's okay to read part. But wouldn't you agree, if you're reading any book of the Bible, does it help to start at the beginning? Okay, would it be weird to start in Acts about Jesus' people if you've never read the Gospels? The Acts does not make sense. That's why the ordering makes important sense. And I'm going to suggest to you that Psalms were put together in an order. They were written over centuries by many people, but they were collected. And there's someone that we don't have their name that put together probably about 400 years before Jesus who put together, led by the Spirit, this is how God wants this message. Just like I had to put together this explanation of this teaching and all this stuff and how to put it in a way like, okay, start with joke and then the, and the joke and then, you know, like, and, and joke. And my, my humor is not accidental. It's on purpose. Because I could see sometimes your eyes are like, oh, space and out. And then it gets you back in. I'm even telling you what I'm doing and it's working. <laughs> Mind over matter. So what do we want to do? We want to recognize that God used a person or a group of people to put this together in a way that would not only make sense, but would tell a story. And as we read through the Psalms, I encourage you, read beginning to end, you're going to begin to pick up themes. There are groupings of Psalms that are put together. We're going to start to ask ourselves, why are there seven dark, horrific, depressing Psalms in a row? Why? There's a reason for that. God has chosen to tell us the story. Now, this is all new. You don't have to take my word for it. This is going to be talked about in this book that we're going to give you as well. So let's just do a couple of basic things. This is where it's like 101 in case you're new. Number one, uh, the Psalms have different authors. So they're not the Psalms of David, but they are the Psalms of David. David's mentioned about 73 to 75 of them, so about half-ish almost, uh, are attributed to David. But there's also the Psalms of Asaph, the Psalms of Korah, the, the Psalm of Moses, the Psalms of Solomon. There are many writers, so we cannot assume David is there with his harp in the desert writing the Psalms. That's what I thought growing up, but that's actually not how it works. Now, let's get into it a little more. When it says a Psalm of David, it does not necessarily mean that David wrote it. Because the Psalms of David can be written by David, be speaking about David, or be referencing someone who is David-like. Now, if this is like, what are you doing to me? I'm just opening your mind to say, these are things we need to read, study, reflect. Why? So we're smarter? No. So back at the beginning, God speaks, we listen. God speaks, we listen. Joshua 1, God speaks, we listen. And the blessed life, experiencing life in Jesus, is about hearing what God has said on his terms and then living it out in obedience. 
Okay? So we have different authors. There are different types of psalms. So they're not all to be read the same way. Some of us read some of the psalms we begin, and it sounds like dark, and so we skip. Like, I'm out of here, man. I'm already having a tough day. Leave me alone. I'm going to go to, I'm going to, I'm defaulting to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I won't, I don't want anything. He makes me lie down. Some of us like that. You know, he wakes me up. I, I, I dig that. So we need to know God puts different kinds of psalms. Now, what kinds are there? There are hymns or praise or thanksgiving. A good chunk of the Psalms are just praising and thanking God. And they're, they're not all together. They're spaced out. Why? God has a story to share. The majority of the Psalms are lament or woe is me or I'm crying out. Why, oh Lord? Or why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you downcast? This is going to encourage you. There are more lament or or I am bummed, I'm mad at God, why is this happening to me? I'm done. There are more lament psalms than praise psalms. Is that not the human experience? God, when, he, when he's speaking to us, he's actually communicating. I know what you're going through. So as centuries ago, these psalmists wrote and prayed or sang or wanted us to reflect we can step right in and know what they're going through. And then there are other kinds of psalms, uh, royal psalms. The reason I say that is because those are the ones that are about David. Anything about David is considered a royal or a kingly psalm, and they have a unique function. We're not going to get into it today, but we are going to get into it. Why? Because the way you understand lyrics, uh, let me get into this for a second. When I say lyrics, we immediately think tone of music. The Psalms are not uh, necessarily songs as we understand them. They don't need to rhyme. In Hebrew poetry, it does, as a matter of fact, most of them, they don't rhyme. And they're not trying to go like, how do I get radio play? You know, like a good catchy chorus. You know, like, if that's not how it works. And we'll talk about poetry in a minute. But you understand that there is a difference. If you don't listen to the music, I encourage you, just Google up a hip-hop song and a country song, if you dare, and a pop song, and read their lyrics. Just read, don't listen to the music. Read the lyrics. And the hip-hop song will sound like a lament most of the time. I'm mad at the world. I hate you. This is horrible. But there's a little glimmer of hope, and oh, she's beautiful. Like, you know. But, but the way it reads is different than a country song. I was sick. My dog's about to die. You know, woe is me, or whatever. You know, whatever. Anyway. As you can tell, I love country. And then, and then a pop song is like all fluff and no substance. I love you. I love you. Oh, yeah. I love you. You know, how did you make a million dollars off of that? Hip hop and then, and then country. And they're, they're, so the Psalms are written differently because they're supposed to evoke a different emotion. And this is the way God, God, somebody's saying, I didn't know that. Neither did I. I read a few books, okay? So I'm not like wise. I'm like, how did you know this, Jose? I basically steal from good people. All right. Part two, Psalms are poetry. Now we're going to have to talk about poetry because I know most of you guys are waiting to come after Christmas. You're like, get me out of here, man. Like, you know, fellas, I'm just going to tell you, if you're not married yet, if you have any poetic ability, you will marry up. 
So this is a value. This is not to be wasted. If you're in middle school, hold on. I'm speaking wisdom to you. Anyone who can speak with eloquence uh, uh, is, is going to marry up because there is something about our emotional well-being that resonates with, with words that are placed together well. And really, that's what the Psalms are. They're words placed together well. Now, what is Hebrew poetry? I'm going to give you a definition. I encourage you to write this down or pick up the free book at the end and it will have it, I think, in there. Hebrew poetry, actually, this isn't in your book, but it's similar to it. This was simpler. Hebrew poetry communicates with short lines using parallelism and imagery in high frequency. I know, I got to throw in a joke because you're like, get me out of Dodge. Communicates, okay, let's make this very simple. Short lines. In the Psalms, a psalmist can take one line and to summarize an entire book of the Bible. What the art is, they take one short phrase and they summarize the entire Exodus, which takes chapters of Exodus, God delivering his people from Egypt. The, the writer will do it in one line. So what makes poetry poetry is that it's short. There are little two-liners, three-liners. And then they use parallelism. I'll, I'll define that in a second. There's contrast. There's comparison. There's saying the same thing twice. And there are various ways to do this. Now, why am I getting you into this? I want you to read them for yourself and understand why the psalmist is putting it this way. Artists, writers tell a story a certain way. Those of us who don't have this gift, do you need to know all this to get something out of the psalms? Absolutely not. Do you need to know this to understand how the psalms work? Absolutely yes. So you can get... Spirit can speak to you without knowing this. But when you know this, you could be more eyes open to what the Spirit is saying. So parallelism. Let's jump to the next slide. What is parallelism? It's the art of saying, similar, uh, saying something similar in both lines with a difference added to the second line. So look at Psalm 1. Let me illustrate this. Psalm 1, verse 1. Parallelism. So we know it's short lines with parallelism High frequency, and we'll get to the high frequency, and it's not like, ah, you know, like, it's not high pitch. It's something else. All right, let's read verse one. Blessed is the one who does not step in, uh, walk in step with the wicked. Because that's just a little, one little, little line. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Now, he's going to use a little bit of parallelism. He's going to add another line. Or... Stand in the way that sinners take. Okay, then he's going to add a little line. Or sit in the company of mock mockers. He's saying the same thing, but adding something in the second line that's slightly different. Look at the first line. Who does not walk in step? Look in the second line. Stand in the way. Look at the third line. Sit in the company. He's just giving you nuance. So poetry works by building a mental image. The psalmist use mental pictures. So some of you learn by um, logic. Some of you learn by pictures. How many of you would say you're more visual learners? I'm a more visual learner. I love the psalms. It makes sense. Because it paints a mental picture. They could, he could say, blessed is the person who does what God says. But isn't that kind of boring? But blessed is the one who does not stand 
in step with. And then when he talks about bad people, what does he say? Stand in the step with the wicked. Look at the second line. Stand in the way that sinners take. So sinners and wicked. Two ways of saying the same thing. Or sit in the company of mockers. Then he adds another little line to contrast. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. Now, that's one picture. That's just one little picture there. Now, now he's going to give us an alternative picture. Verse uh, 3. That person is like a tree. And then he goes on. Now we're going to get into this next week. All I wanted you to see is parallelism is simply taking a line and attaching another line and either saying the same thing a different way, flat out repeating it. Some of times you say, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Why the repetition? He's using it as a tool to say, hello, it's really important that you wait. So I repeat it. Now these aren't tricks. This is God using English, Hebrew, but now for us English, language to speak to my soul. So we want to learn and grow in this. If you're brand new to this, it's okay. This is something that we can week by week learn to appreciate. All right, so that's parallelism. What's high frequency? It means that in a psalm, you're going to get a lot of pictures really fast. So if you read one psalm, you may get four or five pictures. So they take two lines, one picture, three lines. That's a different picture. Two lines, another picture. And so what you're going to have to get used to is realizing the author of a psalm is going to try to hit you from all sorts of angles, but usually there's one major idea that they're getting at, or two major ideas, or three major ideas. So what we want to do is we, when we read it, start asking ourselves, what's that picture in those two lines? Okay, that's what that's like. And Oh, why does he keep repeating this line again and again? Okay. Oh, he gives me a positive thing and then a negative thing. What? We're going to begin to ask good questions. And he's saying, oh, can I do this? Absolutely, you can do this. You can do this, and it's worth it. Why? If God has something to say, how much effort should we use to know what God has said? This much? I'll just come Sunday and let the guy talking, let him do the heavy lifting, and I'll just get, like, what he says. Or can we learn the discipline of reading with a heart to understand? And that's, the, I hope, if that, like, resonates with you, you're in the right kind of community. If that, like, is lame, in January we're going to start something new, okay? So you're totally welcome to come back. Now, finally, that was, like, Psalm 1, how Hebrew poetry works. Is any of this making sense? Okay, great. Either that, you're well-conditioned to nod when I ask a question. Like, yeah. Okay. What we need to step back is and see is that the Psalms are a book of hope. You want to know what 150 Psalms are about? It's hope. So I'm going to take you back to that big story. Genesis 1-2, God speaks. And by Genesis 3, people don't listen. And then things go bad, but God is always working. By Joshua, they've been given the full teaching of God. All they need to know about God, he's given them the teaching. Now they get a new land. Joshua takes them into the land of promise. And God says, now, Joshua, don't let my, my instruction leave you and you'll be blessed. The community gets another chance. They messed it up. 
But every generation gets another chance because God sends messengers, prophets, to speak to people. Everyone gets another chance. They get another chance. They get another chance. So is the world what it should be? No. But is God reshaping the world while we're seated in our chairs for the good? Yes. The Psalms are not a book of sorrow, although there's sad moments. It's not a book of prayer, although there is prayer going on in the Psalms. It is not a, a book of praise, even though the world's going to pot. Let's just sing and ignore reality. No. The Psalms are a book filled with hope. And I'm going to give you a little tip. When you read the beginning and you read to the end, it starts with mostly lament. The first section of the Psalms is mostly dark. By the end, it is full of praise. Why? Because God has not forgotten his people. And when God comes to his people, there is hope. So my friend, like the Psalms in your life, what can we take away from the big picture? Like the Psalms in your life, there will be dark moments. We do not look at the hell on earth and turn a blind eye and say, that's not real. We see it as real and it fills us with heartache. And we wrestle with God and we say, God, if you're so good, why did this happen to so-and-so? And the psalmist lets us do that. It's okay. God is tough enough to have you come in his face and say, why are you allowing this? And if you're so good and I'm one of your people, why are we destroyed? Where are you? It's okay. But what you're going to find is that those who experience that, they receive instruction and the presence of the Lord. And in the end, they come out with praise and say, oh God, we did not know. Oh God, you have been faithful. And that can be the story of your life. And so you could be here and life can be a wreck. I'm here to remind you that in Jesus Christ, while we're in the midst of pain and heartache and sorrow, there is always hope. It's never too late. There's always another chance. There's always room to call on God. And if you've taken your whole life and if you just made a mess of it, in one moment, you can redirect the entire course of your world by turning back to Genesis 1 and 2. God made you to be with him. And if you will live in his way, with his presence, you will prosper you will do well. You will thrive. But until you accept that as the ultimate reality, you will live in a mixed bag of joy and sorrow and pain and suffering with little hope of resolve. But today, we get to step into the Psalms and invite Jesus to bring us out of sorrow and into hope because the Psalms are ultimately about Jesus. The Psalms are about Jesus. And you're saying, oh, okay, everything's about Jesus. Yep. And what, over the last 2,000 years, the majority of people who have read and commented on the Psalms have seen Jesus right in the middle of it. Some of us have missed that 
But when we get towards Christmas, we want to get back to that because Jesus is not hidden in the Psalms. Jesus is all over the Psalms. And the Psalms, when they were written, were led to stir in people the desire for Jesus to come. And so when the Gospels are read, that's why Jesus said to his disciples, from the book of the law, which is not rules, but what? Instruction. From the book of instruction and the prophetic words that God has said about his instruction I need someone to actually rescue me. And in the Psalms, probably more than anywhere else, we see this rescuer who is going to come. And that's why Jesus had to go back to his boys and say, Psalm 2, Psalm, 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 and say, these words were not written about a human king. Hint, most of the time when we read about David, we're not supposed to be thinking about David ben Jesse. David, son of Jesse. Most of the time when it's written in the Psalms because they were written after David. It was written to point back a guy like David is what we need. A guy after God's own heart, a guy from God. We need Messiah. So you're gonna see by Christmas how Jesus is all over the Psalms. Well, you're, you're going to get your book, a couple of practical things, and then I do want to make one connection point as you get ready to go. So one, uh, today, now some of you are saying, Jose, I make a good salary. I don't, don't give me a book. Um, when you go out, there's going to be a book table. We invite you one per family. We've gotten um, some of the leaders here believe in you so much. So you're saying, why are you using giving money to give us books. Well, that would be worth it. But actually, some leaders in the church wanted you to get this so much, they paid for it. If you say, like, I want to donate towards getting more books or doing more of this kind of stuff, there'll be a little basket. No, no pressure. If you want to give towards it, you want to give a dollar, you want to give five, you want to give ten, I, you don't have to give a thing. It's a gift to you. But if you feel like, no, I can do something, you can do that. Uh, read through the Psalms and starting tomorrow, tomorrow could be like day one, and what we're going to do is every Sunday, I'm going to take some of the themes from that week's reading, and we're going to reflect on that. We're going to go in order, okay? So that makes sense. Another thing is read it together. Don't try to do this by yourself. There's something, it's mystical. That's all we could say. When, when I told you about my wife and the hospital and Psalm 27, Psalm 27 just suddenly came alive, Right? Because when you take your experience and God's words, it's, it's something that just does something good for us. So do this. If you're a husband and wife or your family, d- reflect on the Psalms together. If you're part of a missional community, we have invited all of our missional communities. Reflect, take some of your, if you get together twice a month, just ask, what have you been learning? And share stories. If, if you're not part of any community and you want to connect with one, um, Matt Karsh, who's in the back, studly newlywed. That's why he grins, because he married Jenna. And um, he's going to be at the info table, and he is our director of missional communities. So if you've not connected with a group, uh, just talk to him, and he can tell you where they're meeting and who and how, and just sit in, and nothing required. Just go and listen to what God is saying. And then I'm going to throw another one out here, and this is the risky one. If you can't figure it out, if your friends can't figure it out, if if your group can't figure it out and you have a question about the Psalms, email me. 
joseatajesuschurch.org. And I commit all the hard ones I'm going to send to Steve Marshman because he's, he's smarter than me. <laughs> he is. And those I think I can handle. I want you to leave this psalm series saying, my questions are answered and I get it. And if by Christmas you feel like you're empowered to read the scriptures and you have a sense on what God's saying, that's the win. So some of these teachings will really connect with the mind. Some of these teachings are going to really connect with your soul and that part of you. And here is why the Psalms, I think, are loved by most people, is because they're not just for the brain. You read Leviticus, and it's very cranial. You read some of the scriptures, and it's very mind-centric. But you're not just the mind. God created you with logic and with thinking and with feeling. And which is supposed to lead your life? The answer is complex because you're not this piece and this piece and this piece. It's all together. And so your emotion, your feeling, your heart, your, your mind, your soul, what all, whatever that is, is you. And so the Psalms connect with all of it. So we're going to think in the Psalms. Some of it will be academic, and that's good. We need that. We need to be pushed. Some of it will be fully emotive. I think some Sundays you will cry if you're a crier because you're going to begin to hear about suffering and sorrow and heartache, and it's going to make you think about things you have not thought about in a long time. And you're like, I don't want uh, that memory. I'm going to push it away. That event, I don't want to think about it. That issue, I want, I want it to be gone. But in reading the Psalms, the Spirit of God's going to come and touch that. And that's good. And, and we need it all. So we're going to think in the Psalms and we're going to feel in the Psalms. And the only reason this is possible is because God is a poet. He doesn't just hit, do this, don't do that. God is a poet. And because he created language and he created us, he could take language and he could mesh it with who we are. And we can see him and we can feel him and we can experience him. So we're not just going to read the Psalms because it's a good Christian thing. We're going to experience the Psalms in fresh ways. On Thanksgiving weekend, if you're here, there's going to be no teaching. We're going to be sharing these stories of the real life work of God in the Psalms, in your life, through a song, through a poem. And we're going to spend, because we're all, we'll have eaten too much at that point. It, it would, we're going to need something. So we're going to spend a weekend and we're really going to rejoice and want to cry and laugh and experience God together. That's the plan. If you're in for it, great. If you're, if you got some friends who just need to get stimulated in their soul, invite them to come during the series, I think it'll be refreshing for people.